Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix International, episode 219. I'm your host, Juro Sen, and this is Ben Kimber. G'day, Ben. Juro, how are you, mate? Yeah, great weekend of international rugby, particularly here in the uh, Southern Hemisphere. And uh, as you can see, with our wonderful wide shot here, thanks to Strike, back on board. And if you want a car cradle, uh, I'm sure you can get it in New Zealand as well. See strike.com.au. They are the guns. They know their stuff. They are real car cradles. They'll keep you safe on the road. And uh, I think you're up for one. Absolutely. I think I need one. <laughs> All right. Thanks to Strike for coming on board. Uh, ben, uh, wonderful weekend. Firstly, let's give a shout out to our wonderful audience on YouTube. Uh, a lot of them Kiwis, and uh, you've been on there corresponding. I've been away for two weeks overseas covering tech, so it's great to be back. And Ben, you've been talking to a fair few and uh, got some uh, names you want to read out. Yeah, mate. What a great response to the last two shows, Jiro. We've had some some, uh, some viewership that numbers have gone really high, a lot higher than we thought we'd seen previously. So it's been great to see the engagement. And I've really enjoyed talking to some of the uh, the viewers on the uh, on the YouTube comments underneath. A few guys out there we've got to shout out to. Joey Dudester and the team at the All Blacks Joey. and NZ Supporters page. Uh, I went to actually click to join that supporters group, but I just couldn't make myself do it. Nah. It says All Black nah. supporters page. Had a good <laughs> chat with Remember the Mirror on back row discussion. Gyron49 and Nehana Jew. There was a lot of good support actually from our Kiwi viewers for the Wallabies saying they don't want them to be uh, more than competitive, but they want competitive games. They don't yeah. want to see these games where it feels one-sided. It's not a lot of fun for, for most people. Um, Todd John had a good chat about team culture and then Attitude Boxing News and Tina T want to come in the studio at some point. Oh, very so, good. All Marubra right. locals, maybe. Uh, yeah, here we're um, expanding all the time, so that will happen in the near future. We'll, we'll get some locals and international folk uh, into the studio here at Rugger Matrix. Uh, we want to get on with it. There's no theme song to this uh, show because we want to get straight to the rugby at hand. Let's, uh, I guess you're not going to start with Australia, Ben. Let's start with New Zealand, because the game happened first, uh, and it was in Hamilton, and it was a pretty big victory in the end by New Zealand. Wonderful effort by Argentina to stay with them, but you know, by the time you get to the 60-minute mark, the class really comes through. And I mentioned a couple of times on Twitter that uh, defensively the All Blacks uh, got the job done. In fact, uh, they relished that. They were knocking off the uh, Argentinians who really ran out of ideas. So the class in attack was really exposed, I thought, with ideas and penetration through the tenacious defence of the All Blacks because, you know, come 60 minutes... They ran out of ideas, and then the All Blacks went on uh, uh, on attack with retaliation um, and turnover ball. They were just brilliant. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say they ran out of ideas. I think they had, a, they had a pretty solid game plan that proved effective to keep them in the game. I think they ran out of puff a little bit. I mean, one of the things that's been a talking point in a lot of the press this week, which is completely accurate, is the depth of the All Blacks has really shown up in that bench. So we saw um, you know, about two points in at the 50-minute mark. Argentina side were, were right in there, were a part of the game. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the All Blacks actually lost a couple of lineouts around that 50 minute mark, lost two in a row. And uh, Steve Hansen just pulled the ripcord, brought on some uh, fresh blood. And then Bowden Barrett, who, quite frankly, uh, the most outstanding player in world rugby right now, carved him up and away went the All Blacks. And you just cannot give them that sniff. They were far too good. But it was a classic tactic of, it was almost rope-a-dope a bit, wasn't it? Yeah, see how much the Argentinians could do. And the All Blacks just bashed them and bashed them. They just kept knocking them off. So just one or two off the ruck, just pushing the ball up, uh, wasn't going to do anything for Argentina against that wall of defence. Look, when they did go wide, they had some penetration, but the All Blacks still chased them down, Ben. 
No, I, I don't think you're being fair to the Argies here, uh, Gerald. I well, think. But what you mean not fair? What you I mean by fair is, I, I think I think they they achieved more than you're giving them credit for. I don't. The All Blacks' defence was was great, but the Argies came in with a plan. I, I'm actually giving them credit because I believe they're a better team, and yeah. so I thought I thought they should have produced more on the day. Yeah. Well, in the, in that first 50 minutes, they looked like a team that came in with a plan. We've talked about the last two Bledisloe Cup matches where the Wallabies, you know, really were hanging on by their fingernails and didn't appear yeah. to be that they should even be on the park with the All Blacks. It looked like they were just outclassed, they were being beaten at the collision. Whereas for 50 minutes, that Argentinian team got stuck in and executed a plan that had them in the game. Good, short, sharp hands and a real focus around the fringes of the ruck. We talked in previous weeks about the way the All Blacks had been really um, stretching their line out, only a couple of guys in at the breakdown, still effectively, but really keeping a strong defensive line. And the way the Argentinians took that on is they really started to smash short, sharp passes either side of the ruck and keep it up. They brought their wingers in as well, and they, they actually packed that area around, the, around that ruck and smashed it away. And I thought it was very effective. They really showed they deserved to be on the park with the, with the All Blacks and, and executed a plan that kept them in the game. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, but when it didn't come to fruition in terms of scoring points... So aside from uh, you know they got close, but when, when you got into the second half and those 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 valid ideas uh, came to naught, that's when it fell apart because they didn't have the game plan for the next part, the twenty minutes. That vital twenty minutes is also a, a fatigue thing, but you tactically have to come with some ideas to play in that last bit because New Zealand will tackle all day. And they did. I, I thought they were pretty... They had to work hard. There's no doubt about that, Ben, that the Kiwis worked really hard in defence. But because they worked so hard, they really blunted uh, the Argentinians by the 60-minute mark. So, yeah, I think uh, they came with good, good ideas early. But like the All Blacks always do, those ideas run out of steam uh, by the 60-minute mark and then, you know, on the counter. I mean... It's just, it's like watching the Crusaders and Super Rugby over the years and then you see the All Blacks do it again when they counter. Just terrific stuff. And that's what teams have to do. They have to, they have to work out what they're doing in the final 20 minutes to compete with a team like the All Blacks. Yeah, um, and, and they, they, they do have to work that out. And the All Blacks, they have got power across the park and that's the issue. They can hurt you in so many different ways. And the, the Argentinians, brave as they were, were relying probably on about two or three guys. Their captain, Creevy, the hooker, love him, absolutely fires all day. Um, the, I love the look of their number eight, Issa, um, really powerful guy. Saw him take on Brody Retallick there in a bit of a push and shove match at some point. Uh, Cordero on the wing. So they, they had a few guys that, that really were the, probably the focal point of what they had to do. And as they started to get blunter as the game wore on, uh, New Zealand had too many options to go to. Yeah. But I do want to go back to, to Bowden Barrett who, as I said, that game at the 50-minute mark, you have to say, was in the balance, even though Argentina was starting yeah. to tire. Argentina had been making plenty of ground. They'd been up the other end of the field. Um, the, the All Blacks were, you know, they missed those couple of lineouts. And then Barrett, off the left foot, off the right foot, just straight through and put Crotty away. Yeah. And there was the game just streaking away from Argentina from there. And that just put the All Blacks on the front foot. It meant them they were right into the match, and all of a sudden the floodgates opened. But what about the stepping of Ben Smith? Like, you know... What a player. And uh, with those attacking players, it's in, in the last bits of the game, the 20 minutes, uh, the 30 minute marks against the All Blacks, that's when you destroy it. It's really soul destroying, isn't it? You've, you've, you've attacked, you, you've, you've gone well against the All Blacks, you're right in it and 50 minutes into the game, and then bang, 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 Ben Smith carves you up, Bowden Barrett carves you up. Yeah. And our discussion, I think, last week too, we talked around 
uh, Steve Hansen's great job of, of this team and having lost um, those guys, particularly mm. McCaw and Carter. And we talk about all that experience going out. You know, I think, I think we probably regurgitated a little bit of the group think that goes around sometimes. We talked about losing that amount of experience, but I stopped and had a look again. But both, both uh, Bowden Barrett and Sam Kane, who come into that 10 and 7 jersey, are both around the 40 test mark. And that's a testament to the way the All Blacks have rotated talent and brought people in. Both those guys, guys are actually super experienced already. They're more experienced than a lot of other players out there in test rugby yeah. as they take on what they see as that full mantle of those jerseys. I think credit to the All Blacks here in terms of the defensive alignment and structures. Now, a team like that that carves up the opposition, Ben, could be, could be probably forgiven if they want to relax in the D mode. But that defence showed me the attitude of the All Blacks, even with their dizzy heights of attacking prowess, they still get the meat and potatoes done. Yeah. Um, and, and what a scoreline, 57-22. Yeah. Didn't really do the Argies justice. One point, I mean, now, this might sound a bit silly, but if you're going to talk about where I think the All Blacks are, are yet to be tested, mm -hmm. is I'm not entirely convinced that Crotty and Fekatoa are their best centre combination. There's been a few other guys floating around this year, clearly they've talked about and looked at. And I think if looking well, what at makes this you, scene, uh, What makes you say that? Because I'm looking for a, a chicken in the way. That's pretty much why. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, Bowden Barrett, uh, currently the form he's in off the back of the pack well, that they just, have. You two are cut ball. He's going he's he's to make, make you look good if you run out of the outside centre. Well, Ben Smith and I had a you know, lot of similarities in the way we play the game. Um, but can we talk about him for a moment? Yeah, certainly. Uh, has, if you've got him running at the back... Uh, when the chips are down and he can do what he can do with his feet, um, you have got someone who's at the top of their game and is basically, in the, in, I think in those really clutch plays, is going to save you. Yeah, he's a, he's a super talented guy and, and, um, you know, and, and it, it helps when you get that little bit of luck too. When he, when he ran to the line and put yeah, that grubber... Yeah, but don't grub, you make that? Uh, well, he ran to the line and put that grubber through and it yeah. popped up beautifully for, beautifully for Barrett. It just you know, yeah. took a little right-hand turn yeah. and it wouldn't surprise me if they trained for that. But, mate, one of those players, again, you've got... We talked about, you know, uh, the Wallabies needing those five or six players who are world-class. We know right now the New Zealand team, you get a lot more than five. But there's a few guys at that top end you've got to talk about, the Aaron Smiths, Bowden Barretts, uh, Ben Smith at the back, um, and a couple of that forward pack that we talked about, Coles in the second mm -hmm. row, as it really stand out. So New Zealand doing a great job there. In terms of weaknesses in the New Zealand side, they're very few, and but I did... Notice closely at defence, uh, they were right on the you know, edge of being offside and probably offside a little bit on the day and not getting pings. Um, you know, it's not a criticism of, of anyone really, but um, I just, you know, I want the referees on both sides and, and even in the other test match too, making sure that uh, there's not much room to remove in rugby, right? So you've got to be onside. Yeah. Uh, and, and to be honest, I think they, they definitely pushed that envelope and there was a good piece by Jonathan Kaplan in, in one of the uh, NZ websites he talked around particularly the discussions we've seen around Stephen Moore and the respect that Checker believes they're not mm. getting from the referees etc. Kaplan wrote a piece and talked about the way that he's uh, refereed the All Blacks over the years and, and what that's uh, sort of seen to, meant to him and and he basically you know the, the thrust of what I think he was saying was they do get away with a bit but when you are the best team in the world or you are the most dominant team that that will tend to happen. Overall he thought you know it was pretty fair over the years but they, they can push the envelope. I think one thing that, that I used to see in their game, um, which used to, used to really uh, frustrate me, which I'm not seeing as much now, is while they are pushing that, that defensive lineup, right. they used to have a lot more lazy runners. 
you know that lazy runner who'd be hanging out in the in the other team's defensive line and opening up a hole. I'm not seeing them rely on that as much as I that, think they that used definitely to. was a case with the Crusaders. You know, you saw that a fair bit um, running back lazily. Um, but you're right, that's that's clear, and, and that shouldn't be in the game. It's just a, it's a bit of a blight in the game, but uh, um, we don't see that as much now. That's uh, a good point, Ben. But I, I think um, in terms of, of stretching the New Zealanders, you know, it was purely the the energy and um, and the the readiness to play from the Argentinians that I was really impressed with, and uh, you know, they had the All Blacks under the pump for a good stage of that game. But once again, they did the basics right with defence. And uh, they were just knocking off those runners all the time. And so the possession stakes, and this is what I want to get into, possession was really in favour of the uh, Argentinians while that was taking place, while they had the ball pounding away, the Kiwis were back there knocking them off, but they weren't getting anywhere on the scoreboard in the end after that half-time period. So it tells me that, uh, that the carte blanche statement of saying, Possession is everything. You've got to have, you know, 60% of the ball to be the All Blacks or whatever else. But that can't be the case all the time because the All Blacks and the Crusaders through time have shown you on minimal possession, they can win through quality of possession. So they can knock you off, knock you off for 60, 70 minutes. But if but once you run out of steam, that 10 minutes is all they need to put on 20, 30 points. And in the end, they had a it's an embarrassing scoreline, but when you look at the record books, but you have to go back and watch the game to work out, oh, wow, Argentina are actually pretty good. So in terms of possession, I just think people need to take a chill pill <laughs> and say, because it's a statement three people throw out, but, you know, analyse it a bit. It's not about the amount of possession. It's definitely quality. And uh, you look at how much ball that the Argies had. Uh, you dream about that much ball against the uh, All Blacks, but they still couldn't crack them when it counted after the halftime bell. Yeah, and that's that patience the All Blacks bring. If yeah. you've got if you've got if you've got faith in your defensive line, if you've got the team in the right mindset that they that they have got it together. Uh, I'll go back to what Brett Papworth said in, in show two one eight when he mm. talked about the capacity for the All Blacks to play space and the speed and the handling they have yeah. means that they can they can wait they can you know they can wait out defensively and then when the ball is turned over. They're so quick to react and so quick to drive it through and throw that ball around and find that space that they're going to ping you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, is there any other weakness or what do they need to work on? You mentioned a couple of drop lineouts there. And as I said against Pappy, I wanted to come back against uh, Brett Patworth just to say, and we talked about lineout v scrum, I still maintain that lineout can absolutely kill you. Because, you know, you're likely to be 22 metres out and on attack. And, and if you drop that ball when you need it desperately, you've lost the opportunity. And it's really unknown quantity. The ball can go anywhere from a, um, from a line-out. So uh, I think it's, it's so vital and in times, to me, more vital than scrum. Yeah, now, the, 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 the key point that I was thinking about this with the line-out, actually, yeah. after that chat with Pappy and looking at it and, and thinking about the way that the All Blacks... Um, uh, and the Wallabies played in those first two Bledisloe games is, you know, there, there have been times in Australian rugby when the scrum has been struggling, all the line has been struggling, but it's usually like one or the other. It was unusual in the Bledisloe Cups to see us getting touched up in both. But the thing about the line is, if you're playing a team that, that uh, has a superior and a dominant line-out, they can force line-outs more than they can force scrums. Mm. So scrums are going to come from drop ball or, or you know, a few Check other bits and pieces. But exactly right. You're more comfortable if you've got a dominant line-out, you're just going to ping it down and find the line every now and again because as soon as you take the first one, as they did in that, in that Bledisloe Cup encounter when they took two of our first three, 
that's a significant mental pressure on a team. So you're going to say, fine, let's just put it into touch. Or, you know, you guys kick it into touch. We don't care. We're going to take you on. So I think the line-out can be used as more of a weapon and you can deconstruct a team a bit more. Um, even though the scrum, you know, the scrum getting hammered is going to hurt you, yeah. the other team can apply more pressure through a line-out. Yeah, but you can avoid scrums. Yeah, you're right, absolutely right in that. So the All Blacks are doing well. Steve Hansen, would he be happy with the All Blacks? Oh, he'd have to be. Um, though, you know, I said, I don't know how happy he'd be with the team that spent the first 50 minutes out there. I think he, there's some things you want to work on. The Argentinians did test them. They Picked did. up a serious injury as well. Uh, I think Sam Kane's yeah. out for a month. Yeah. Um, brings Artie uh, Severe into the team, you know. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, well, it teamed up with his brother and, yeah. you know, the two best haircuts in, in world rugby. You remember Kid and Play, hip-hop duo from the 90s? Google, oh, Google yeah, that yeah, one, yeah, mate. Yeah. Yeah, that's, the, that's the Severe brothers' hair, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but um, so that, they, got, they got one injury there, but, you know, I'd think he'd say there was work to do. And, he, you know, he did make those early calls on selection. He got those blokes out there um, when, uh, you know, at that 50-minute mark when he wanted to change up the tempo, yeah. and that worked. But I think that they'll do some work on... Um, how, that defence around the ruck and what Argentina did to actually get, make those yards. But he's got to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the great thing is that the Argentina's improvement uh, since uh, becoming part of this competition, obviously Super Rugby as well, uh, getting those players back from Europe, has just been great for the game. And uh, having toured there before too, Ben, uh, we know how big rugby is. You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely uh, driven by passion. But they have to supplement that passion with direction and a bit of clinical play as well. So, you know, and the All Blacks have that, you know, just covered off uh, perfectly. So, you know, well done, screaming ahead at the top of the table. So pretty damn good. There was another test match that followed soon after in terms of pulsating play. There was uh, a little bit of it, but it was pretty, I thought, scrappy test match Australia um, overcoming South Africa, coming from behind, in fact, uh, to win the test match. So it was good to see Australia win and, uh, and get some points on the board and what has been a bit of a graveyard for the Springboks, uh, their success uh, at Suncorp Stadium or at Lang Park, as it used to be known, uh, is very, very poor. Um, what are your thoughts about the test? And I was pretty happy not to see people just ranting and raving that, yeah, Australia's back, blah, blah, blah. They're not back. Uh, they just stopped winning and stopped losing, I should say. Yeah. Well... Mate, we, the last time we saw Australia lift some silverware with some smiles on their faces, I think Tony Abbott was still Prime Minister, so, you know. Yeah, but that's not long uh, that, in Australian politics. That's right. And there's never been a more exciting time to be a Wallabies fan, is probably yeah. what some people are saying. Um, but, look, it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a game that is important for Australia to win. Um, I don't think you'll ever point back to it and say what a great victory or what a great match. Um, I think there are some commentators out there who are over-egging it a bit, um, suggesting, oh, no suggesting, you know, oh, this Cooper... Foley combo is going to be fantastic and it's working well. And you know, I think you, you can look for positives a bit much. The positive is, I think they kept their heads. They executed. They didn't drop the pill all day. Um, they won their lineouts uh, and they managed to get back from a deficit. So being down, you know, 14 points to the, the box early on, grind their way back in. Believe it. I think that will do a lot for the team mentally. And it was, you know. To check his credit, he's been quite upfront and talking about stuff. He talked about even seeing the nerves still in his team in that last 15 minutes, mm. and how important it is for them to have you know claimed that victory and finished that game off. But look, the box aren't travelling particularly well for a box side. No, they're not. Uh, I still think that they will lift for the traditional game in the World Rugby, which is South Africa, New Zealand this weekend. I think 
there's something about that game that will give that they'll grow an extra leg. They're going to need it. Yeah, they will. They all have to. They all, all need an extra leg <laughs> against the All Blacks. I don't know if it makes you run faster or not, but it should help with balance. Um, but uh, Australia sort of handed a few opportunities on a platter, didn't they? It was Bernard Foley's intercept pass, for example. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of loose play there by Australia. A couple of nice back line moves, I thought. Quade Cooper was actually really good. I enjoyed watching him play. And, um, you know, it's been far too long. It's been far too long. Imagine how we would have been going if Quade was a part of this team for a lot longer. Yeah, it, it, we did see some, you know, I said some good solid play, and they did some of the things that they would have wanted to do. They moved the ball around well. Quade had a good game. Uh, he kicked well, right? That was actually a nice turn up. We, we saw some reasonable kicking. Reese Hodge slotted into the team well. Um, we got better uh, distance on kicks for line because Reese Hodge was doing a bit of that. Um, Adam Coleman had a good game. So there were some positives all the way through there, uh, but really, you uh, know, in, in a very mediocre game. Uh, I think what we want to see now is it'll be interesting to see how Argentina bounces back from that last 20 minute shellacking from the ABs. And they've then got to travel right across to Perth uh, and get themselves up for another game. Um, and so the, it'll be interesting to see if they can bring that same sort of fat passion that they brought against the All Blacks. There'll be a challenge here for the Wallabies, but there is a big step up for the Argentinians to pull themselves out of the, 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 that beat down they got in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, it was a hard, fast track in Perth, so it's going to be hard for them. I think um, that, that is a good test for Argentina, but you know they've proven that, the, that they match up well against Australia. And I'm a big believer in matchups and teams uh, <clears throat> that come against each other. Um, sometimes they go well against the opposition, other times they don't. Australia don't go that well generally against Argentina. It's just an awkward game for Australia. So if it gets um, bogged down in forward play, you know, it could be a brutal... You know, Australia should go out there and try and beat their chest against the forwards. So play the game, that exhilarating game that they know well because... Uh, Argentina, they can score points, but they won't be able to go with Australia if they really put the foot down and use their magic men. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't think Checker will change too much. You know, he'll be happy to take the win and he'll, he'll, he'll roll forward with a similar team and structure. But some of, the, some of the commentary we talked about on the YouTube channel got me thinking more about that, the combinations Australia have and what that might mean. You know, Hooper had a very busy game uh, against South Africa. Pocock, not so much. You know, it's still, it's still, you know, stuck in my craw a bit. This, this combo on the back. I said the, the conversation I had on the on the YouTube comments was around, um, you know, is is it just, you know, Checker's got to say I've got to pick the best players I've got, rather than try and pick a back row or a team for structure that might not be the best players I could put out there. So if I need that big number eight who's going to bend the line, who's going to give me the kind of game that a that a Kieran Reid or a, a Facundo Issa for Argentina can do, he's not getting that. I mean, we saw. We saw David Pocock in the 71st, 72nd minute of the game against South Africa. He actually picked the ball up at the back of the scrum and went for a run. And I cannot recall him doing that <laughs> as a number eight uh, for some time. So Checker, I don't think will change too much, but we're still going to be in that area of saying, what change do the Wallabies need if they're going to pick it up a level to get anywhere near the All Blacks? There is ongoing criticism of the um, two sevens, isn't there? There is. And, uh, and it's always been a problem. I mean, I was part of Wallaby management when we had uh, War and Smith, you know, two great sevens, but playing them at the same time. You know, that, that is a huge advantage, massively mobile back row. But what you miss out on is generally a big six that can just steamroll people. You know? So whether you had someone like a David Lyons who you put at six or eight um, at number eight or Toto Kefu, you know, 
geez, you go back and name those names and you think, gee, that's, that's the sort of player you're missing yeah. in the Australian back row. Owen Finnegan. Owen Finnegan. Owen was just, he was always in the face of the New Zealanders too. He was just an annoying player to play against. Yeah. Uh, Justin Harrison, annoying to play against. Just annoying, full stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, those sorts of guys. Uh, so, but I don't, we haven't sort of developed that, cult, that sort of character, I think. There's yeah. a char- Teams can take on a character, and you can see that developing with New Zealand again uh, post uh, Richie McCaw as well. Yeah, well, you, you talk about that character and and, and you know the, the, those annoying players and the niggle. One one point I did want to talk to you about mm. was I got I got uh, a bit annoyed at a couple of the columns that I read out there. I think one was from Gregor Paul in the NZ Herald, and the other was from Spiro Zavos who writes for the Sydney Morning Herald. They both went in studs up on Checker and the Wallabies in their culture. And you know, basically, the gist of their stories were checkers drowning puppies out the back. Now, you know, it was it was a bit like I thought they've just they've taken this excuse of um, you know Stephen Moore's you know run-ins with the refs to put it that way. Um, checkers clearly combative off-field nature, and they've whipped it up into this story that Australian rugby's teetering with a cultural issue of basically being a bunch of dickheads. Now, I, I don't agree with that. I think you know we've talked before about Checker and his combative nature and. You know that he is the fire and brimstone guy, and perhaps that that um, that is to his detriment at times when we think about tactics or the way the team comes together. But we still have a coach and a team out there who are very passionate about playing, and I think are very respectful about playing for their country. Um, you know, Michael Checker in the commentary box mouthing the F word. I don't think that's going to upset too many people, really. I, I I think, but I think he's not the he's not the first coach to do that. No, but people that's what I mean. People putting the boot in now and saying it's, that it's it's an excuse to never yeah. go, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I just think there's there's a that's going a bit too far. We can talk about the tactics and the way we want to see things differently, and I think they'll be the first you know group to get together and say how we're going to get our head on right. But I don't think the Wallabies culture is shot. Yeah, I don't think it's shot, Benny. But you know, I don't think it's great either because um, we have too many changes around the fringes. There's a couple of cool players there, yeah, but um, I'm not quite sure where this culture is. There's, there's got to be longevity in the game to build culture, and there's and I don't think there is that with Australia. And and you can't tell me that the culture of a team that had lost every test this year until this one, going back to the World Cup as well, the next one, um, has that, that great winning culture. There might be, you know, you could have a couple of beers, but, yeah. you know, wh- wh- where does that come from? So I think there's a, there is an element of um, uh, Australia needing that, you know, I do think that we've been overly critical of referees. Um, that, is a, that is a valid point when um, they don't have a leg to stand on in the game in terms, they're not going to win, the, they were going to win a lot of these games against New Zealand just because of a couple of decisions with the referee. And they've just got to, they had to pull their heads in in that regard, I reckon. Yeah. I think that was a. I think the way they verbalised their arguments um, post and pre-test matches didn't reflect well in Australian rugby. Yeah, this is not to say that there aren't issues that need to be fixed, but I think that the tone that I've been reading is mm. that that there's almost a malicious bent in this Wallabies team that, are, that and they're not respecting the game of rugby, and I don't think that's the case. This isn't to say, as you and I have discussed, that it feels like there's something that's not quite working in that camp. You know, we talked about the players that have moved in and out of the team and Stephen Moore's running with the refs. Something needs to change up for these guys. But it's not malicious. But I also saw it from the the other direction too. I saw on on some of the Fox shows, they were claiming that that the All Blacks have lost their humility simply because we saw, I think, Brodie Retallick and Sam Kane 
um, get interviewed and frankly talk about the niggle that the Wallabies brought and how they handled it. They expected it and they handled it. And to be honest, I loved it. I love it when the players actually tell yeah. the truth. I didn't think it was disrespectful. I didn't think it was a lack of humility. It was they got asked a question and they answered it. Um, you know, if I had any criticism of the McCaws and Carters from when I was a journo, is they very rarely gave you anything, right? They'd always be, you know, okay. straight up and down, quotes, done. Whereas I saw Retallick and Kane say, yeah, you know what, they brought the niggle, we, we knew it was coming, we thought we handled it, I thought it was fine. Well, they handled it where it counted, mate, on the scoreboard. Um, which brings me to a point, that's post-match interviews like that are great, but one thing I can't stand, Ben, is the half-time interview. It adds nothing to the coverage. Sure, uh, uh, and chat with the, with the coach would be okay. But, um, and that might come later in the coverage if they're happy. But on the sideline with a player, I actually, I squirm a bit when I see that. I don't know. What do you think? I think they could probably just put on a loop from the last few test matches the same quotes because they always say the same thing. Yeah, we didn't quite execute our game plan. There's a few things we've got to go in the sheds and talk about and a few things we've got to change up, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same stuff. And I think you're right. It's, it's a little bit of a waste of time. It's, it's the, you know, I think that's one of the bones that they throw to the broadcasters, the official bodies, when they, they say we need more, we want to do more. So they end up with that. It's not, it doesn't add a lot. Yeah, I just don't think, um, I don't know. It just, uh, it just, to me, I find it uh, potentially dangerous. The player can say anything in, that, in the heat of the moment. But, you know, they're, they're sucking in uh, huge amounts of oxygen and trying to make sense out of it. I don't know, it's just unfair. I much prefer to see the proper analysis done or go straight to an ad so you can grab a beer and come back for the next day. But I, I don't know. I just don't know what it adds to the to the coverage, save the interview for post-game. Yeah. Uh, Benny, we've pretty much got to wrap it up. So two games this weekend, uh, All Black South Africa. I did mention I think South Africa will lift for this game. They always do. It will be a lot closer than I think uh, you may have suggested. So New Zealand to win, but it will be in the last uh, few minutes. Uh, I'm on a different page there, mate. I think um, we've got this rare confluence yeah, here. You're, of... the, you're the large iPad pro, and I've got the small <laughs> one. But we've got this rare confluence of New Zealand are absolutely on fire, mm. and this box team are struggling. They, there's, there's some issues going on in there. The quota system's affecting them, I think, if, if not um, you know, in players, at least mentally. There's a bit going on in South African rugby that isn't quite working for them, so I think they're in, they could be in real trouble. I agree with that, but I just think that uh, when it comes to New Zealand, all that goes out the window. Uh, so it's not a technical sort of, uh, it's more of a hunch. So um, I hope it happens that way anyway. So, uh, but we still both think New Zealand will win. Yes. And uh, geez, that'll be pretty much it. Brave it? tip. <laughs> Brave, Brave tip. tip. <laughs> New Zealand will win. Who to do first? Um, so what about the other game in Perth? And it is uh, usually a traditional South African hunting ground, but can Argentina upset the Wallabies? Is that an upset? Oh, yeah, I think it would be an upset. I mean, if, if you were Michael Checker and you had to write the script for the next game you play in the rugby championship, uh, it would be this. It would be Argentina off the back of getting walloped uh, over in Perth, making them travel across four time zones, yeah. uh, and then landing to face a Wallabies team, which is feeling pretty good about itself after having put together some of the right things last week. So this is... This is a must-win for the Wallabies. It'd be an embarrassment if they didn't this, win this one. It would just show probably how poor the box side is. I think they have to win this, and they have to win it well. All right, so pressure on uh, Australia this weekend. And, uh, yeah, I think we could be in for a cracker in New Zealand. Uh, let's hope so. That starts us off. Um, thanks very much to Strike for coming back on board, and thanks very much to everyone for joining us on YouTube as well. Uh, this show is now going to be embedded or streaming from Facebook as well, so please share it out if you can. 
Um, you know, our show is all about respect. Uh, we respect everyone's arguments. We respect uh, the efforts that the team's put in, uh, and hopefully we can dig a bit deeper into the, uh, you know, the psyche of the game and the uh, the tactics of the game as well, Ben. So. Um, I don't know if you want to finish with anything on that. Oh, mate, I just, I'm enjoying the comments. Uh, I'm loving getting back and having a chat, so please keep them coming. And thoughts on what you want us to talk about or maybe even guests we should try and chase down. Uh, we're going to try and get some more guests on. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we know pretty much everyone in the game. Uh, we've been around a bit, so um, we'll be calling on all our friends. If you go back to, uh, if you're new to the uh, channel, um, we have been going for a fair while. Um, mostly it's an audio show, but uh, we had video for a while now and uh, a lot of names there, big names, uh, I think Rocky Elsom has the most caps out of all of our guests. Have to get Big Rock back on, mate. Peter Hewitt, the world's greatest fullback. Although I won a premiership in, in Varel and Peter Hewitt didn't. <laughs> so, um, uh, and there was a funny tweet about that. I, I tried to. Ben sent me some sort of tweet that Peter Hewitt made a return on Twitter. When I checked it out, it's gone. Yeah. Delete yeah. a tweet. We'll, we'll investigate. All right. So, Twitter investigation coming up. All right, everyone, thanks very much for joining us. This has been Rugby Matrix International 219. We'll see you next week with a wash-up for more rugby in the rugby championship. And we'll look ahead to uh, other series in Europe as well. Until then, see you next week.